Yeah, what are you going to do are with we, Why are we going through this? Gold? Why are you bothering with this charade? Uh, he was going to buy Twitter with it. Oh, boy. You know, I would rather have Just Hans Gruber's brother buy Twitter at this point. Right. Yeah. It's... That would be an improvement. Hello, Mission Recall listeners. I'm Oriana Schwint. I'm Steve Parkhurst. And today, we're 1099 terrorists trying to get from 72nd and Broadway to Wall Street in half an hour. I think that's your best opening so far. It's pretty strong. Uh, listeners, let us know if, completely, that's, if that's your... Completely unhinged. Yeah, completely uh, unintelligible without further Without context. actually knowing the movie... Because we're talking about Die Hard with a Vengeance. We're skipping the second Die Hard. Even though it did come out in 1990. uh, And I just, I've only seen it once, the second Die Hard, uh, Die Harder. And I don't remember really liking it all that much. I feel like for the title alone. Yeah, it's pretty lazy. Warrants a skip. Yeah. Uh, So we decided, you know what, let's go Die Hard, Lost in New York. (laughs) Die Hard in New York. And uh, that's that's what we did. So Die Hard with a Vengeance. We decided to just do that instead. It's our podcast. We can do what we want. Why not? I hadn't seen either of these. Or like I hadn't seen I haven't seen the second one. I hadn't seen this one before now, actually. But you had seen the first one. I had seen the first one. Um the fir- in fact, it was like a couple years ago around this time, I feel like. Yeah. Where I finally saw the original Die Hard. In its entirety, you'd only seen all the way through. Pieces. I had only seen it in chunks on on cable, basically, as it's meant to be seen. That is, it's the optimal viewing experience. Yeah. Well, but we both kind of had a similar experience with the first Die Hard. It wasn't really a staple for me either. No, it. I I don't even know if my parents have seen it. I, it's a good question to well, to ask, ask them. them. We can ask them soon the enough. But yeah, it was just never. I mean, my I don't think my parents owned any movies, like adult movies, not right. not not adult Porn. movies, but adult movies. Yeah, adult movies. <laughs> we had we had all of the Disney movies on on VHS, and some of the. Did you have the Little Mermaid with the dick on the cover? I guess so. You I don't know. You might not have. It was only like the first printing. Oh, probably not. That or maybe I don't we know. might have. I don't remember, uh, oh, but we had good. that old. I wonder like, if they still plastic. have it. Yeah, it was definitely yeah. the big plat. Yeah, huh? Yeah, the clamshell plastic covers that they yeah. used. Yeah, oh yeah, those were that great. was all. Oh all yeah, Disney. they had the they had the the white. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's fantastic. Uh, but no, the Little Mermaid one, like uh, there was a version where there was kind of a dick in the castle. Oh yes, I think yeah. we might. We might or have that one? did the priest have? No, that the, was in the. That's movie. That's in the movie. The priest does does Dicks get a everywhere bonus. in that's, that movie. That's weird, man. <laughs> Fucking pervert animators. At oh Disney. no! Is this? Are we turning into a libs of TikTok? Uh, I sort actually, of I, Disney I do is, run that account. Oh no! I've been meaning to tell you. Oh no! Uh, I don't run libs of TikTok. No, we're staunchly anti libs of TikTok. Yeah, uh, don't here. dox me. But yeah, Die Hard with a Vengeance. Anyway. Yeah, but Samuel so L. Jackson. Die Hard, you know, I also, we didn't have it on VHS, and yeah. we did have a lot of movies, including 
movies in a similar vein to the Die Hard franchise, like True Lies, etc. Mm-hmm. But I just didn't watch it that much as a kid. Oh, I think I saw it for the first time in its entirety, like early 20s, maybe college, yeah. but like fairly late. And then I saw this one not long after and thought like... This is almost as good. And in rewatching, I do want to walk that back a little bit. I'm, oh. it's, it's good. It's not as good as the first Die Hard. The, the first Die Hard really stands alone as like a true masterpiece. And the other two, because those are the only ones we count in this household. And the later Die Hards don't count. No, although, you know, I, I like Tim Oliphant as an actor. We so, all like Tim. As <laughs> we're, all, we're all buddies with Tim. But uh, it's just not... A very good franchise, especially starting with um, Live Free or Die Hard, which is a great title. It is great. I actually think Die Hard's title uh, strategy is kind of great. I know I was like down on Die Harder, but it is funny and tongue in cheek. I know. Yeah. And then Die Hard with a Vengeance, great. Love it. Uh, Live Free or Die Hard, terrific. I'm surprised the state of New Hampshire didn't like sue. Well, that would be against the live free or die hard. Oh, that's uh, true. That's true. They ethos. don't want courts. Yeah. A Good Day to Die Hard is the final one. That was 2013. Oh, wow. Um, so anyway, good, pretty solid naming conventions there. I, yeah. I give uh, the franchise uh, good grades for that one. But uh, I'd say this is definitely the second best of the series. Yeah, I think it's not a coincidence that... that John McTiernan, who directed the first one, and also just like a shitload of other kind of 90s classic action movies like The Hunt for Red October, The Thomas Crown Affair, Predator, Last Action Hero, Medicine Man, I mentioned on another podcast, is kind of underrated. He did a lot of good, just he did. Good solid and he, action movies. He skipped directing the second one and came back for, for the third one, mm-hmm. which this one is interesting in that it starts really strong. I think like it has this kind of taking a Pelham one, two, three vibe throughout the first act. I want to say, uh, really actually all the way through the explosion at the wall street subway, subway station. station. We would be remiss if we didn't mention how this movie starts, which is kind of insane. It's, uh, it, so 1995 an interesting is an time. interesting time because you have Rodney King, O.J. O. Simpson. Simpson. Race is a is on a lot of people's a lot of white people's minds in yeah. a way that it hadn't been in kind of a while. I feel like. Well, and uh, this movie in particular feels exceptionally reactionary and i don't even necessarily mean it in sort of not in the political reactionary way i mean a little bit but not as you know you think you say reactionary now and that means a certain thing politically and there's definitely some of that here but it feels like more just that the filmmakers are like we got to address race we got to talk about it that's what everyone's talking about we got to be relevant and it's like "Mm, do you though uh, right. And like to its credit, it gets uh, Samuel Jackson and does a great job with him. He's great. His character uh, is is really great. Yeah. They do him dirty a couple times. Oh, quite a bit. Well, because what the movie does is like, what if the real racism is calling white cops racist? Yeah. White NYPD cops they are not the racists. racists. It's 
it's the black New York residents who are distrustful of white police. Especially officers. funny when earlier in the first, in the very strong first act, a shaky, nervous cop is pointing a gun at Jackson in the subway station before the train mm-hmm. comes in and blows up. And it's like, yeah, I wonder why he'd be nervous around these guys. I wonder why he wouldn't trust them. Right. These, uh, it's it just like, it's the real, it's, Really interesting to see what has not changed in nearly 30 years where, yeah. like, you've got a cop who's basically shitting himself at the sight of a of a black person talking on the talking phone. on the phone when and today really it's like shitting their pants and and having passing out from panic attacks because of fentanyl. Because an, somebody said an aspirin was a fentanyl. Yeah, basically. Also, I think there's the added element of Pulp Fiction had come out the year before yep. and was uh, just a cultural... Starring both Bruce Willis and, and Samuel L. Samuel L. Jackson. Uh, but also, you know, did a lot of stuff with race, and you can argue not all of that was great either. No, Quentin. no, no. <laughs> uh, but, like, it sort of opened the floodgates, and I think it empowered a lot of producers to be like, oh, we can do this? A lot of producers, a lot of writers. A lot of white writers. Yes. Were like, we can talk about it. Quentin talked about it. He's white. Quentin did it. We've got... Samuel L. has signed on to our movie, yeah. and so we can have Bruce Willis's character walking around Harlem with a, a sandwich board that says, I hate N-words. That's how the movie That's starts. That's how the movie starts. It's kind of wild. Like, they're, they certainly don't beat around the bush with it, but it also it feels like, you know, you could have mentioned a thing or two here or there, but, like, I don't think you needed to kind of shoehorn this it, much into it, it when it doesn't really play into the plot. It doesn't, actually. That's the thing is, is you could have this sort of odd couple buddy you know guys come to trust each other thing with bruce willis and samuel l jackson and have your kind of like tackling racism undertones to it without having samuel l jackson have to kind of rescue bruce willis from um being attacked by a group of black men for having to wear this sandwich board because jeremy irons has insisted on this which this is going to turn into a CinemaSins thing for a second, and I apologize. But if Samuel L. Jackson hadn't stepped in and those guys had, let's say, killed Bruce Willis mm-hmm. for wearing that, wouldn't that have kind of ruined Jeremy Irons' plan? Like, his plan was to distract and show that, like, oh, I'm just here for revenge against Bruce Willis. That yeah. was kind of his plan was to send him on all these little errands, errands. while he actually goes through with the heist. This is my... Uh my interpretation, and I don't know if I'm just being overly charitable, is that Jeremy Irons, who is Hans Gruber's brother, <laughs> yeah, uh, which is a, fu- I, I, you know, watching the movie, I was like, they aren't really gonna make him like a blood relative of of Hans Gruber, like Jeremy they Irons sure is, and they sh- they sure did. I was like, oh, all right, you know, I can, okay, that's fine. But I interpreted all of the Bruce Willis stuff as just kind of a bonus where like all of this, you know, there's bombs in school. Jeremy Iron sends all of the NYPD cops on a goose chase to, to bombs in schools. And I think actually like that's clever, that's clever. And also I think the, the subway bomb, he blows up a subway station. Um, The bomb is on the train. I think Bruce Willis is right when he's like, he was going to blow it anyway. So I think 
that was okay. I I think that was just like oh well he's he kind of adapted once Bruce Willis didn't die at the hands of the violent yeah young black men mm. yeah there's nothing mm. to unpack there I don't love that I don't I don't really think that's necessary. Otherwise, like, that is, like, a fairly strong first act. It certainly catches your attention. It does. Uh, and, like, the subway bombing it looks great, almost too realistic. You, it, it's... God. What's weird is this, you know, was a few years after the first World Trade Center bombing. Mm-hmm. And then it actually, uh, a month before this movie came out, Oklahoma City bombing happened, <sighs> which is, like... Maybe you shouldn't have made this movie about Yeah, see, see, and like, of course, hindsight is... Yeah, you is, couldn't have known about Oklahoma known about City. About Oklahoma like, City or 9-11, because like, it is like, you know, some of the people stumbling around with ash is, is like a little hard to watch. Yeah. So it's effective. It's I'll effective. give, I'll give I mean, them that. It's like, realistic. It's it is. Very, it looks very good. Um, they actually did some pyrotechnics yeah. when they filmed the movie. And it looks really good. Uh, and I think it contributes to why the first act is so good, because it's fairly contained. Like, mm-hmm. it's Wall Street, it's Midtown. Like, they're keeping it pretty contained. Yeah. And then the movie does kind of start to lose the thread a bit. Yeah. Uh, like, so you've got uh, McLean and Samuel L. Jackson. I'll just go with Zeus. Well. Zeus. Zeus and McLean. They go off, you know, running these little errands around. The cops are, are looking for the bombs and then Bruce eventually figures it out that that really Jeremy Irons is robbing the Federal Reserve and you know credit to this movie because I was like does the Federal Reserve have actual money like I thought that that wasn't really you know, like even in the mid 90s I thought yeah. but no the New York Federal Reserve in particular stores gold for other gold. countries yeah. and has since like war, you know World War II or whatever so props yeah. for cuz I did not know that yeah i was reminded of the dark knight rises watching this mm-hmm. and how bane convinces all the cops to run into a tunnel like every cop in Gotham runs into the tunnels looking for bane and then like he blows up the tunnels and they all get trapped in there it's like why did you send every cop in every Gotham? Every cop. Whereas, like, there's a bomb in one of the 1,400 New York City schools, schools. is actually pretty effective. That makes sense. Like, that it does. doesn't make sense to send everybody down into tunnels. It does make sense to get everybody looking for these bombs. That's, or a bomb. A bomb. A needle in a haystack. Yeah. Like, that is clever. That's genuinely clever. And I think, you know, if the movie had kind of kept up with this level of cleverness, like if it had been as smart throughout the rest if of it. If it had taken a few more cues from Pelham 123, I yeah. think. <laughs> like, yeah, kind of stick with the simplicity. Not just Pelham, but like the first Die Hard is pretty simple. It is. And like, okay, so you expand out into a city rather than just one building. Yeah. That's fine. I think that's great. Uh, use the city to your advantage. But they kind of like, they go into an aqueduct, which is a real aqueduct. Yeah. They actually use the actual aqueduct they were building at the time. Up it's crazy. Cat skills. So much of this is absolutely insane. Yeah. But like they go up into there, they end up in Quebec at the very end. Like it's this kind <laughs> That's of... That's a jurisdictional nightmare. It, it becomes this weird like 
location hopping. It almost feels like a, a James Bond or a kind mission, of a proto Mission Impossible. Mission Impossible, and we'll talk about that and just like kind of how the super or not even superhero, but basically how these guys have become superheroes, even mm-hmm. when they're technically not. Yeah. And like the joy of watching McLean in the first movies, he's just some guy. Guy in a pickle. Guy in a pickle. And by the third one, you're starting to feel like this is yeah. getting pretty silly. Right. And they like, you know, clearly Samuel L. in, in this one is more of the guy in a pickle. But we do kind of lose him at various points. Yeah. That uh, it's like, no, no, I love seeing him. I, it, like, and he's like right about everything i kind of uh, don't it feels realistic that like you know he's never really fired a gun before so yeah. he doesn't but it, he's it's kind of a nerd a it's kind bit. of a bummer that that he uh gets disarmed by jeremy irons and shot by jeremy irons and it's like oh i wish we had kind of built up to a bit more of a heroic moment for him well a heroic moment for him and like a little bit more of an arc for the two of them like it feels like they do start to trust each other pretty much right away yeah it doesn't take that long it's but like mclean in particular is and i think that this actually the root of this problem is in the we're doing this to solve racism kind of characterization yeah because you have to have mclean be extra cool to Samuel L because he's like, I'm not the racist. You're the one who's making everything about skin color. Like, no, I'm the cool guy. I'm like, and, and because of that, they can't be quite as antagonistic as they would be. You can't have McLean suddenly be a racist. Right. uh, Or even have kind of racist. Or just be, or, or just be kind of like more of a dick than he already is. Yeah. They're, like there, because there there is friction and like, but it just it feels a little defanged because yeah. they they can't have they can't him, really commit to it. Yeah, because it's viewed as racism. Right. Like you've set that you've set that expectation. Yeah. So that part uh, kind of it, it. Like I said before, it feels a little shoehorned in and and tangential to the plot of the movie. Uh, and like you said. Um, uh, Samuel L. Jackson disappears from time to time. Like when Bruce Willis goes down into the aqueduct, mm-hmm. Samuel L. is driving up along the Sawmill Parkway, and they just happen to catch each other when Bruce Willis like gets shot up by a water yeah. spout yeah. because the tunnel floods. What are the odds of that? It's, and I, look, we don't have to find. It's, no, that's yeah, it's a movie. It's okay. a movie, but it is also like, why wasn't Sam just in the truck with him? With him in the there's truck a driver? there's a couple points at which you're like, why do they split them up? Yeah. so much was yeah. there was there like friction on set or something i don't i don't know i don't know i just read a bunch of trivia nothing mentioned it yeah. that doesn't mean there wasn't any but like one of the trivia bits i read was that bruce willis was the one who suggested samuel L. jackson because they'd worked okay. together on pulp fiction and i think on something else so like they knew each other and he was the one who recommended it so if there was friction maybe it, not maybe yeah, maybe I that was just the, the, I think I they know. just wanted, like, Bruce Willis as the star. Like, yeah. this is, you know, a John McClane movie. Um, and maybe, you yeah, know, and Bruce Willis was the way. 
like I know Pulp Fiction had had come out, and so everyone knew between that and like Jurassic Park that Samuel L. was the real deal. I guess it's still kind of early. It's Sam a Jackson. little early, but he I think after Pulp Fiction, like he was a bona fide star. Yeah. So and he was kind of the newer big star. Mm-hmm. Bruce Willis was pretty well known at that point. Yeah. Like I think Die Hard was one of his earlier breakouts. Um, so he'd been around for a few years by yeah. that point, whereas even though Samuel L. Jackson had also been around for a few mm-hmm. more years, he hadn't really broken through to mainstream until, like, Pulp Fiction. So, like, maybe, you know, the producers or Bruce Willis didn't want him to be, didn't want it to be a Samuel L. Jackson movie. Which is kind of a shame. Like, yeah, sure. he's so watchable. Yeah, he's great, as usual. Like, he's... And they actually do have a pretty good chemistry. Like, they do I have like, chemistry. I, I, like I, I like their little interactions. Like, yeah. you know, when the friction is there, it's wonderful. And I know this tore you up inside when they were driving through Central Park, but their interactions during that were very funny. It's very funny. My main beef with the Central Park, I, it's actually like a fantastic chase, or not? it's not, not even, even a, a chase, chase scene. They're just... I guess they're chasing, they're they're trying to beat the clock, so that's kind it's of... It's ticking clock. Yeah, it's a ticking clock. They have to get from 72nd and Broadway all the way down to the Wall Street 2-3 uh, station, yeah. and they have to do it in half an hour, which is like quite a task, any mode of transit. Yeah. So they like t- steal a cab, and Sam Jackson is like, take ninth. That's the fastest way down. And Bruce Willis is like, no, I have a shortcut. And then they drive through Central Park, not on a, not on roads. Like through the park, like Homer Simpson. Through the park. And Homer versus uh, in New York. And, well, Bruce Simpson has But it's there. very funny because that's not any kind of shortcut. Well, because they start out at 72nd, right? Yeah. Uh, on the west side. On the west side, yeah, 72nd so, and Broadway. And they end up kind of at 59th. And, and 5th. 5th. I, I, at Columbus Circle. That was Columbus like. Circle? I thought that was like over on the uh, east side, like 59th. And oh, is it? 5th. I want to say it was like Columbus Circle, like, like before. before the Time Warner Center. Oh, maybe that's it. Either way, like, okay, even if Central Park is a little faster than the roads, you're still only getting to 59th. Yeah. That's then you've not, still got the rest of the Then you're going island, down Fifth Avenue. Like, which is not a good way to not go. Not a good way to go. And it's it doesn't even run all the way down. Well, Fifth doesn't, to, yeah. So, yeah, it's... <laughs> for those uh, that listeners That was incredibly who, boring who for everybody who does not... Can know. always just cut that out. And maybe trim it down. <laughs> but uh, it is a fantastic... Uh, like spin on the on the chase scene. It is, and like you know, I get like it's certainly more dynamic to drive through the park than for them to be stuck in gridlock. Absolutely, uh, but it is, or even just to be going down ninth. Like, okay, what do you do with that, really? Right. Uh, but it also is a little silly. Like, okay, then where do you go? And then they do still just kind of drive down and, and get there just in the nick of time, and you know, it's fine. The execution is what makes it really fun and interesting rather like yeah you probably just shouldn't think about it no don't think about it and that's we all need to just turn our brains off every once in a (laughs) while it's very difficult sometimes but it is well especially like 
as this movie loses the plot, uh, yeah, and like goes, you know, they go into the aqueduct, then they end up on a barge, and then they end up in a in Quebec in helicopters, and like the movie's ambitions kind of get away from it, where like stuff starts to look a little clunky. Like yeah. we were talking about the explosion on Wall Street and how good that looks. Like mm-hmm. the train crash sequence looks really good. You know, driving through Central Park looks really good. Like they're doing a really good job at first. Even like the heist in, you know, kind of as they're digging out the Federal Reserve Dude, looks pretty rolling, solid. Rolling like tanks through yeah. Wall Street is tanks pretty and insane. Dump trucks yeah. and like all these tools. And it's all the more like intriguing because of how easily. Jeremy Irons was able to dispense with the NYPD. That's Again, pretty fun. Yeah, that's fun. Like, oh, they all left. We're here alone. There was a giant explosion there, and like they cleared out because of this clever. There's a bomb in a school somewhere thing. in the yeah. city. Like, very clever. Uh, so, like. Once they kind of, especially I think with the flood of the aqueduct, Mm, mm -hmm, it's like, mm -hmm. oh, you, I think you're trying to get too big. Cramming too many set pieces in without actually like building towards them properly, I think. It feels like you mentioned, this was about a turning point when movies started to really just Balloon. Earlier, you could get away with doing Die Hard. One building, one guy. Like, it's very focused. Yeah. Budget started to balloon. Thanks, Jim. Well, and like, <laughs> True Lies had come out the year before and was like the most expensive movie ever at that point. Jurassic Park the year before that. And so I do think uh, Terminator 2 yeah. a couple of years before that. So I suspect that like the diehard producers saw that they needed to either evolve or die. Like, mm-hmm. oh, we can't just have a guy in a building anymore. Right. Like or this, a guy in an airport. Yeah. From what Reagan. I recall. It was uh, Dulles. Dulles. Yeah. yeah. We need to go bigger to keep up with kind of the direction mm-hmm. things are going. And like, okay, I, I kind of disagree, but like if that's the path you're going to take like true lies was so well executed kind of through all of its massive insane set pieces and it felt like die hard with a vengeance was trying to do a true lies Mm. but it didn't quite have the technical wizardry of jim cameron down as good as mctiernan is i don't want to he is he is a very i don't want to say the guy's not good and not a talented action director but it felt like it was a little beyond his scope Mm. and maybe even the budget of the movie Uh, but it just felt like it was starting to kind of pop at you know tear at the seams a little bit like it wasn't quite holding itself together yeah and i don't even know if that's uh, necessarily a directorial thing or if uh, or if it's just a script thing because it doesn't feel i stopped being able to kind of feel exactly what we were building towards apparently die hard with a vengeance cost 90 million to make which is a lot of that money. is true true lies was 100 million right 100 million That's what I said. I know. Yeah. Yeah, I was agreeing with you. Yeah. Huh. Well, True Lies spent it better. Some of it may be like direction stuff. Also, like shooting in New York is very expensive. Except I think the New York stuff looked the best. Like it's when they kind of leave New York and get into those other kind of weirder set pieces that maybe I think they it spent it all on the New York stuff. Ama- Honestly, yeah. Like, but also, I do think that like stuff starts to feel a little floppy. Yeah. 
as it goes on, people kind of appear and disappear. And I want to say like, when McLean goes to the reserve is kind of that still feels really tight. Yeah, that's all really good. And then we kind of bounce around a lot and stuff just feels a little slack. Something there isn't just... as much tension because you're kind of like, what insane thing am I trying? Am I supposed to be like really invested in? Because we have a school full of children, including Samuel L. Jackson's nephews. Nephews. Yeah. Uh, who I am supposed to care about because you've you've introduced them to me. They're cute. Uh, they're fun. First thing in the movie. Yeah. They're they're cool. But then I've got Bruce Willis doing all this other stuff, and they are connected, but they're not as connected as they should be. It feels like uh, it's just it's just missing some connective tissue and maybe some restraint. Honestly, I also think it's because some fairly large stuff happens off screen, uh, or most notably that the gold isn't actually on the barge. It got switched out and yeah. it's never you don't see that. You just get told like. I think Bruce Willis even just kind of says, like, they switched switched it out. Yeah. You switched the samples. They switched it out. And, like, how do you know? Like, oh, I know these guys. I know what Gruber would do. It's like, but you, do you? Right. Uh, You you met the guy, like, once for, like, 10 minutes. That felt like a weird sort of, oh, we got to have a twist, but we're out of money. So, like, just say that they switched it, and then the whole thing seems like it should have wrapped up with the barge explosion. Mm -hmm. Uh, But then they have another sequence where, like, the bad guys get all the guns, and they are trying to protect the gold and escape, and it's in Quebec. Also, how'd they get across the border? Yeah, did they just ram through? I I don't think even the Canadians would allow you to do that. And then that, like, final scene with the helicopters and like Willis has to shoot a power line and it hits the helicopter and that's how Gruber dies and like definitely doesn't have the same impact as when Hans Gruber falls. I was I was a little like, wait, this is this is it? Well it's just so well yeah. Maybe I don't even know if I adequately describe it. I have seen this clip. It's floating around on like YouTube uh, where there was an original ending where like they get away with the gold and then Bruce Willis tracks Gruber down, finds him in like Hungary or something and confronts him and does a riddle with him, which is actually... With a rocket launcher? But like he gives Gruber the rocket launcher, but like somehow the... Miss the aim has been disabled, like so it could go anywhere when it fires. I don't really know the mechanics of how they explain that, but like basically, it fires and kills Gruber, and it turns out uh, Bruce Willis was wearing a vest, which against I don't, a rocket, I don't, I don't really know how much that's going to help that you. Done much, but regardless, like I do remember watching the clip once. If I can find it, I'll I'll put it in the show notes. Like, yeah. Um, because I remember it's a really weird scene, and the helicopter scene is an improvement, but it also still feels tacked on and kind of like I feel like you kind of could have just rewritten this a little bit to have it end with the barge explosion, uh, one way or another. I feel like it reminded me a lot of Speed and the subway sequence at the end. Yes, of Speed. it's a hat uh, on a hat. Also, no, no, that was Yondapon. Uh, yeah. For a second, I thought that was McTiernan too, but but a similar kind of problem where it's like it ended when the bus hit the plane and exploded. That's yeah, the end. Of that's the, the end of speed. Yeah. Uh, and then oh, we need this train thing. Like no, you fucking don't. You actually don't. Like, it's it's really okay. The boat blew up. 
the movie's over. You yeah, know, this is, you John know. John can call his wife. John is calling his wife. That's the end of the movie. Like, but also, uh, because I haven't seen the second one, I was like, aren't he, aren't they divorced? Like, didn't, and, but no, apparently it's been, it's only been a year since he has spoken with her. Right. I think they, I want to say they get back together in the second one. Yeah. But then I guess he biffs it again because he is kind of a piece of shit. He, John McClane is, yeah, he, he sucks. He, he looks like shit. He does look kind of like an alcoholic in this movie. An alcoholic new NYPD cop. I, you know, like, well done makeup team. Yeah, no, it's it's very realistic. Like, that is kind of always been one of his signature, like, strengths, Bruce Willis and this character, is that he's felt like a real guy. And I think what the later movies lost was turning him into a superhero. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, kind Which of... Kind of starts with this one it starts with this one and then as like the mission impossible movies took off Mm -hmm. yeah that was the next year was mission impossible the first mission impossible Uh, but even the first mission impossible like ethan hunt's just kind of he is just a guy yeah new guy in in um not mi6 the impossible mission foundation or whatever yeah uh i don't think it stands for impossible mission foundation (laughs) i'm pretty sure yeah look it up look it up but uh, that, you know, you get Ethan Hunt, then later you get like John Wick and kind of, you know, obviously 007, but those get serious. It's the Impossible Missions Force, See, ding I dong. Right. I was right. It's not the Impossible Missions Foundation. Is it really the Impossible Missions Yes. Force? Well, I can see why they never say it out loud. <laughs> That's very silly. <laughs> well, I mean, it was an incredibly silly. It was a sixties TV, TV series. Show. Yeah. Wow. I. That's ridiculous. Yeah. Terrific. What was I saying? Oh yeah. So like. <laughs> so everyone becomes a superhero, basically. Yeah, right? and I mean, don't get me wrong. John McClane does get very hurt in this movie. Like, oh yeah, you know, and he movie... does. Like, he does get very tired and 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 whatnot, and he doesn't do anything like too insane. Uh, certainly not more insane than what he did in the original Die Hard movie, I don't right. think. But, like, the... Uh, it does feel like there's more stuff that he has to do and figure out. I mean, what I like about this movie, in the beginning, one of the first riddles, like, McLean clearly is an idiot and yeah. relies on Sam Jackson, who does all the math and, like... Yep figures out the riddle and it's just a nice moment of like here here's this guy's strength and like they kind of lose that a little later they do on, lose that which is a bummer yeah. it would have been nice if it come down to another riddle and maybe they work together or exactly because they do like or something they do throughout the movie work on a number of these riddles together uh and it's it is fun to see them do that although it does like after the first couple it's like well, we get it. We get it. Um, but it would have been nice to see them both put their strengths together right. for one last Yeah, one. It, it needed that kind of payoff uh, mm-hmm. that it never really got. Like when they were tied up on the boat uh, yeah. sitting on the bomb, like that would have been the opportunity for some kind of... I don't know how, but like something riddle involved, yeah. involving a riddle that would have helped them get out of that jam. I don't know. It sets all these things up and then it just kind of forgets about a lot of them. Mm -hmm. It's a little bit of a deus ex machina where he gets the aspirin bottle from Gruber and it happens to be the Quebec uh, gas station rest stop. Yeah, I don't know of any. (laughs) First of all, like, why would the rest stop do that? 
and like put their name on an aspirin bottle. But also like, how would you know that's where he's going? Right. That's just somewhere that's he's just been. That's just where he's been. He bought some aspirin there. Yeah. Why would they go? He bought some aspirin Why would they go to a, a truck stop in yeah. Canada? Yeah. What? So like that feels like that was something where they knew they had to do the reshoot and like, well, yeah. again, I don't know why they chose Canada and why they chose right? Quebec. You like, probably could have done just anywhere. New York somewhere. Yeah. I, don't, I don't know. Anywhere, really. Very odd. Yeah. Crossing an international border is a pain in the ass. Crossing an international border with $100 billion in gold bullion <laughs> might be a bit tricky. <laughs> it is also... I, Stealing all that, you know, all those gold bars is really heavy and difficult to transport as evidenced by like having to steal a bunch of trucks. And also, I hope you have a smelting plant or something. Uh, Yeah, like you, they're stamped. Like you're going to have to melt those things down. Yeah. Like how are you going to use this gold exactly? Yeah. Are you going to use it to like get... It's um, going to take like a hundred years to launder all that gold because like you can't just start, I don't know, where selling do you take it? gold. <laughs> like do you people take it are to like, like Russia oh, is this all the or, gold that got stolen? Yeah, like... I think they stole Russia's gold too, though. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Saudi Arabia too. Yeah. Like there's a lot of countries in there who are probably like that's, not super happy about... That's why they did 9-11. Oh, my God. <laughs> we'll cut that part <laughs> out. <laughs> Yeah, I, you know, I could I could have used a slightly clearer like plan on. Uh, well, apparently in the first version they had melted the bars down and turned them into like Empire State Building. Okay, I, I like changed my mind. I don't actually wanted a, a plan because that's insane and stupid. Right. Like, okay, so you've done that. Uh, you must have like I don't know twenty million of these stupid little trinkets. Also, like manufacturing that, like takes a lot of. Yeah, you have to. You have to like of, you know melt the gold down. You have to have all these molds because yep. you don't just have one Empire State. Mo- like, did they take over some kind of souvenir manufacturing? Or they had to like make the molds, uh, <laughs> and so they had to get a smelting plant, make the molds. Like, I know they have a tank, but but it's who's funding this in the first place? I know that they like was it ta- was it all given on a loan like as right. loan. Like, we'll pay you back. We just got to do some stuff. We just... Uh, and, like, yeah, it... But know. I do... Jeremy Irons is very good in this. He's very fun. <laughs> Moving he has on. He has a terrible haircut, uh, which it's is... awful. Great. Uh, well, and, like, he's... I think he is also given a very difficult task of trying to, you know, be Hans Gruber 2, Electric Boogaloo. Mm-hmm. And he does his best. And, like, he's Jeremy Irons. But it's also, like, you're following up Alan Rickman in his most iconic role, basically. And, like... Oof, that's a that's a heavy lift, and I I don't like him quite as much as Rickman. He doesn't have quite the same smarm. There's, I love Jeremy Irons' voice. Oh yeah, and this was fantastic. just after um, fucking Lion King, so you know we all loved Jeremy Irons' voice. It imprinted on us as a villain voice, but you are, but Rickman's voice is better. Yeah, as a as a villain, it's just got that oily this slickness to it yeah and i think rickman's characterization of like hans gruber like is is just better i think also like hans gruber is just a clear like yeah i want the money to do crimes yeah and just live the high life it's 
pretty simple. And Jeremy Irons, unfortunately, has to, like, do all this weird, like, revolution, like, semi-revolutionary, but not. They're going to, like, take over a country with all of their, with all the gold. It was like, you know, at the end, it's like, which country are we going to buy? Like, right. Yeah, and like clearly he's using the revolutionary rhetoric as a cover to sure. you know convince them that they've actually blown up the gold and it's at the bottom of the Hudson or wherever whatever Long Island up. Sound. Yeah, um, yeah, that was it. Uh, and like that's fine, but it is also like yeah, what are you going to do? Why are we Why are we going through this? Gold? Why are you bothering with this charade? Uh, he was going to buy Twitter with it. Oh boy, you know I would rather have just Hans Gruber's. Country brother by twitter at this point right yeah it's, that would be an improvement it would he, he's certainly uh more charismatic you know on the on the plus side though no more twitter I'm, we're free we don't have to be on twitter anymore we don't have to be on twitter we never did yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it, this has revealed that we no longer have to be on twitter anymore hooray, hooray. we're free on to discord at least that's you know you can just kind of mute <laughs> Yeah, whatever well, you don't yeah. want to deal with. Uh, so anyway, Die Hard with a Vengeance is fine. It's fun. It's um, fun. I like. I this is a good just kind of put it on movie. I feel like you can like tune in for the first, you know, forty or for like yeah, first forty minutes. I'd forty say. minutes. Um, An hour even, and you know, just like kind of gawk at the audacity <laughs> of of having Bruce Willis in a sandwich board <sighs> with a with a slur on it. Uh, apparently in the cable version uh, oh. it it says I hate everybody. Wow. Why they get so mad at him? <laughs> Why they get so <laughs> mad? It would be funny to like some kid just in watching like TBS in 1996 oh like my God. Why are they beating him up over that? That doesn't seem wow, that bad. Wow, that seems fine. I don't get it. Huh. Oh, that's very funny. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, yeah, you know, it is like a good basic cable staple. Uh, it's just kind of fun to have on. And, yeah, you really shouldn't think about it too much because it does fall apart a bit. It does. If you start to analyze it for, say, a podcast. Yeah. It doesn't. It's not a good podcast. Yeah. <laughs> but it is. It it makes me miss New York. Makes me miss blowing up the 2-3 in Wall Street and it, robbing the Federal I, Reserve. I, I feel... I must point out to any law enforcement officials who may be listening that that was a joke. I don't even know this guy. <laughs> what is he doing in my home? And setting a bomb in the toilet. That's just every day. That's just me at about 10 o'clock every morning. <laughs> just destroying the toilet. Oh, um, speaking of James Cameron, feel we would be remiss not to mention that we did see Avatar 2. It's great. Go see. Go pay the twenty five dollars for IMAX three D. Honestly, it, it does feel like one where you might as well just you know just go shell all out, in, just shell out, make it's it a worth date it. night or something. Get high, go with your buddies, like uh, giggle at at it. Uh, yeah, or I, I don't even get like you if don't you, have to get you, high. You don't even have to like. I was sober. Yeah. Yeah. Stone cold sober. We had some root beers beforehand. Yeah, we got real <laughs> fucked up. Uh, and. Uh, no, just like a really fantastic cinema, genuine cinematic experience. Yeah. yeah, Cameron, the last of these 90s guys who's still cranking out like good crowd-pleasing just hits. huge 
like something that you're like, oh no, I do want to pay money to see this on a very big screen with crazy sound. And I want to, you know, be hooting and hollering (laughs) with a bunch of other people as like the U.S. military gets its shit absolutely fucking wrecked. Just ethered, just getting speared in the chest with a giant fucking arrow. There's a number, there are a number of like fantastic deaths. Actually, one of them kind of mimics a death in Die Hard with a Vengeance. Which is easily the best death in the movie. It's fantastic and very unexpected. Pretty Um, gruesome. Extremely gruesome. The guy gets it gets like cut in half with a cable. Like yeah, a, a cable snaps like, and swings. It it actually cuts him in half, and it's like, oh my fucking god! Uh, that that's in in Die Hard. In yeah, Die Hard. yeah. But there is also a cable that that gets a guy in Avatar. I won't say when Spoilers. or where. Spoilers. I won't say when. I won't say where. Uh, <laughs> but it's pretty gruesome, and you should check it out. It's yeah. fun. You'll be hooting and hollering. I love hooting and hollering in a theater. <laughs> I'm real fun to see movies with. It is a blast. I actually did like, uh, like I couldn't stop myself. Like the, I, there were a couple times where I just, went, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, I heard you. I was right next to you. Feel bad for the person on oh, the other side of me. Oh shit. <laughs> but you know, I don't think anyone actually heard me over the, over the over booming the, fucking yeah. sound. Yeah. But yeah, I don't know, man. Like uh, just, you know, great speaking of, of New York though, I do wish I could have seen this at the Lincoln center IMAX. I know It's like proper, like where that was where I saw the first one. The IMAX that we have access to is kind of a Fomax a little bit. It's, um, it's not a real. IMAX. Yeah. I did notice that it's pretty small. Yeah. IMAX the, the proper, cause I, I saw the first avatar at Lincoln center and the real, <sighs> I'm jealous. I had to pee and could you like can't. we were we were in the middle <laughs> oh, of God. of like you know it's Those like two hundred seats like, yeah, or whatever just enormous but yeah I I also saw the first Avatar in a Fomax in Maine oh. um, but I have I, the Lincoln Center I saw like uh, Interstellar on oh, seventy mil IMAX and oh, that's that was that was pretty, pretty cool. sweet. Um, I think I saw like Jurassic World on the IMAX. Oh. Less good, but it did make it better. IMAX generally makes shit like that better. And then when you see a really good movie, like Avatar 2, terrific. Uh, that's our recommendation for Die Hard with a Vengeance is go see, <laughs> go Avatar, see Avatar 2. Go see Avatar 2, The Way of Water. It'll make you want to like free dive, like learn to hold your breath underwater for seven minutes like Kate Winslet did. It'll, it'll make you probably drown if you actually try yeah, to do that. Yeah, you know. But, you know, take it up as a hobby. I don't know. All right. right. I guess that's it. Catch you in the new year. This is our last one for 2022. What a year it's been. This has been a really long year. Yeah, it's been a bad one. It's not been good. It's been mostly really terrible. (laughs) Ending on a high note Um, here. But uh, this podcast has been really fun. Podcast has been fun. Uh, Year has been bad. But, you know, that just means 2023 uh, is a rebound. Uh Uh-oh. Oh, Oh, no. Oh, no. It's a rebuilding year. (laughs) 